Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. We are so excited to have our friend, Mildred Murillo. We call her Millie, but um, she's an astrologer, a spiritual coach, someone that we have just been so fortunate to get to know through our work in the TAT lab, and um, we're just so excited to share all of her wisdom with you guys this morning. Excited to nerd out. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because I met you through my partner, John, um, and I'd love to hear a little bit more of your story. I know that you took you took the coaching program with him, right? The journey that's how you kind of met him. And right. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to kind of like how did you come to be you? Like tell us about your journey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I came to to John and to do coaching um after I went to a retreat in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, a create the love. You guys just had him, right? On oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So he had a, a, a retreat. I think that was, two, that was 2016. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was in my late, mid, late 20s. I, I had already started studying astrology, but I was called to him and his message because I had a string of failed relationships. Mm, <laughs> it was, mm-hmm. and it was just the same thing over and over. And, and me just going and bitching to my friends about <laughs> yet another guy. And then I started noticing like, okay, the same thing keeps happening. I keep bitching about the same thing. My friends mm. keep telling me the same thing this is not going anywhere new Mm -hmm. or healthy or different. And like I said, at the time I was already studying astrology and it was really giving me an insight as to me and and how I process emotion and process thought. And in a way that was so detailed in a way that, that I was able to hold a piece of paper with my chart on it and take a step back and say, Oh, this is how Mildred functions. Mm. It was a way for me to step back and and be the observer. And it was so physical that it made so much sense. So anyway, I went to that, I went to that Mark Groves thing. I heard some amazing coaches speak and I decided that weekend and it was a solo trip. So it was very much about me at the time. Mm -hmm. And at the time I had just started dating my partner now. So it was the transition period. And in that weekend, I said, okay, I want to be a coach. I don't know what that, how exactly that looks like, but it's really people sharing their stories to help other people. I came back to LA and I started researching and then immediately Noelle, who is John's business partner with Journey, they did like a, a Facebook live or something, I think. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I heard it on my way home from work, stuck in two hour traffic at the time. Oh, LA. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is 
it. This is what I'm doing. The following cohort started February 2017. I remember that. And, and that's where I started with coaching. And at the time, mm-hmm. I was already well into studying astrology and the two just made sense. But because they touched me and yeah. in my journey and made it make more sense. Mm. What, tell us a little bit about that. So what was that experience for you? How did you kind of come into this overlay or this overlapping of astrology and, and therapy, right? Because you had a therapist that was also working with astrology. Right. You know, I think that something like astrology was just meant for, for me in this lifetime. Mm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, I grew up with a mother who, who practiced esoteric magic my entire life. There was always an altar in our home with incense and candles burning and and some kind of something happening, you know? (laughs) Um, And so we weren't really like church goers. We we believed in God in a different way. Like Mm -hmm. God, God is in everything and God is everywhere. And so I didn't see exactly how seeing the world through that lens was going to pan out in my life. Yeah. Uh, but astrology made sense because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's far more tangible. <laughs> it's, it's mathematical. It's, it's following transits. It's following um, patterns. That's how it made sense to me. And to me, growing up the way I did, and then astrology was a nice mix of the two. It wasn't too um, out of reach. Mm. And so when the way that I met my therapist at the time was that my best friend said, hey, I, I met this, uh, I found this astrologer online and he teaches classes out of his apartment in the Valley, <laughs> in the San Fernando Valley. And we lived there at the time. And I said, cool, let's do it. That was it. That was mm. it for me. I, I met him. His approach to it was was spiritual as much as it was scientific, and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with this idea of this is what I have to work with, and that can grow and change and evolve. Mm. And I think that for a lot of people, that's true. But this is how it made sense to me. This is how mm. it touched me. Um, and then he became my therapist and my mentor and, and really has taught me most of what I know. Wow. I love that, Millie. I love what you just described is what I think is so powerful about astrology to me is that it is sort of this integration of the, the science and the math and the esoteric and the spiritual elements of um, who we are. And I think it's such a powerful way to do what you said to sort of bear witness to yourself through the lens of this chart, you know, like that feels like really like it can't be argued. And then I love how you said, and then you get to sort of build on that, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. What really made me learn the weight and significance of presence and patience Mm. was to recognize that when there are certain transits going on, I can't make those transits go any faster. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes those transits are amazing in our charts and they allow us to manifest the kind of stuff that, that we humans like to manifest, right? The physical stuff, the, the, yeah. the, you know, the stuff that makes us feel good, makes us look good. 
But when we have heavy ass transits that, <laughs> that don't allow us to shine in the way we think we should shine and, and force us to look in, and I still can't make those transits go faster, then there's a point to that. Mm. Yeah. It almost forces like some self-compassion. It forces you to be like, you know what? Take a breath. Yeah. You can only do what you can do in this moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And when I realized that is when I started recognizing how everything I've been through in my life served a purpose. Mm. Before we go there, will you just like break it down for people who really have zero knowledge, right? Like what is a transit? Like if you could give it in layman's terms. So a transit is just what a planet is doing for a significant, for a certain amount of time. Okay. So for instance, the sun, which is what most people know their sign as, their mm -hmm. sun sign, you know, I'm a Capricorn, you're a Taurus, you're a Scorpio, and the sun changes signs every month. That is a transit. The sun transits every sign for one month. Right. So it, it travels across the sky, essentially, right. and it lives in each of those kind of quadrants. Well, quadrant would be four, whatever the thing is for 12, <laughs> for a month, right? And so when you say transit, it's like actually traveling through those different signs. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And that's why, uh, that's why people say happy solar return when it's your birthday, right. because the sun is, has gone a whole year mm. around the zodiac and back into your zodiac sign. Right. Now, when you look at all the other planets, they have transits for a certain amount of time. They just happen to be longer. Um, some happen to be longer, some happen to be shorter. It's those longer transits, <laughs> the, ones that, the ones that really, that really do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that, depending on you know, how that's touching your chart, that's when you really learn to, to appreciate okay, there's, there's a purpose for this. What, mm -hmm. what I learned is to sit more in receptive mode. What is this trying to teach me, even mm -hmm. though I don't want to sit here and be taught? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Will you say more about solar return? Because I feel like that's also like a period of time, right? From um, like 29 to 30. One, that's right? your Saturn, your Saturn, Saturn return. return right? That's your Saturn return, right? So a Saturn return, interestingly enough, that's around the time, sometime before my Saturn return is when I started delving into all of this hmm. stuff. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I like to think of our Saturn return as the cosmos telling us that we're turning 18. Like, is, mm. is the cosmos telling us that we're finally adults? Mm -hmm. And that happens in your late to early, in your late 20s to early 30s. So really, it can happen as early as 28 to as late as 32 years old. And in that time, it's kind of like taking stock, if you will, of the decisions that you've made prior to that Saturn return and the consequences of that, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. And then seeing, and, and it's kind of like a checkpoint in life, like, mm -hmm. is, is this what I want to continue with or is it not at all? Right. Do I get to kind of change course? Do I get to do something right. different? Do I get to right. integrate and move forward in a different way? Absolutely. I think for a lot of people, the way it manifests is like standing in, in front of a fork in the road, yeah. really. And then I feel that when we get to a to points in life like that where we're in a fork in the road, it really tugs at us to, 
to go in mm -hmm. and to say, what makes sense for me or, or what is the best loving decision at this point for my well-being in the, in the long run? And, and that, those specific words, the best decision for the long run, have very much to do with Saturn energy. Mm. Saturn is known as the grandfather of the zodiac. It rules Capricorn. It's, this, it's the planet of mastery and maturity. Mm -hmm. And so when, when we can look at our life and, and, and in order to do that, in order to look at our life from a genuinely mature place, from a genuinely loving place, we have to be very honest. Mm -hmm. We have to be very honest about the decisions we've made, what that looks like. And if we happen not to like it very much, but that's okay. We can choose differently, but that means kind of a rebuilding overhaul. Right. You know, and I, what I love about it too is that, you know, if, if you're listening to this, I would sit with what do you feel like happened in your life during that time period, right? Like, what do you feel like actually presented itself to you as that fork in the road from like, you know, 20s or like late 20s, early 30s, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know mine very clearly. Mm -hmm. And also understand that if it was presented to you and you didn't, let's say, take the call right. and make the change. I have a feeling that it probably at least worked its way in and made itself apparent to you. And it's not the only opportunity that you're going to have to make those changes. In a lot of ways, it's just giving you the insight. It's giving you the aha where you can sit with it and say, oh, you know what? Something feels off or something feels like it needs to change. Um, and maybe that's enough for you in that moment in time. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that because that's, that's a really good point because you know not everyone <laughs> knows what a Saturn return is. Not mm -hmm. everyone uh, is into astrology and, and I totally get that. And yes, inevitably, inevitably those types of situations will present themselves. And yes, you, you will have the opportunity to make, to, to then choose what's best for really for the soul's evolution. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's, that's really where astrology comes. And that's where the yeah. cosmos are so wise and balanced in that the, the, the opportunities that come with different transits, they kind of poke at you. They yeah. kind of poke at you until something is moved within. It feels like that expression about, because I experienced a Saturn return that was like, deep chaos. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, so many of the clients that for whatever reason I end up calling in, it's like, that is the life period that they are sort of moving through. And um, a lot of, you know, like what you were saying, V, it's like, you do have this, this choice to be made, like, which way are you going to go? Are you going to sort of continue on the path that you've been on? Or are you going to make a decision to, to grow up a little bit and to step exactly. into this space of adulthood? Um but yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it, the chaos is what like really feels present for me when I think about, like, it feels like That's disruption. It feels like, yeah, it doesn't feel like, oh, like contemplative, like inward. It feels <laughs> yeah, like everything is going yes. crazy in my life. Totally. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's, <laughs> that's really what, um, I think you're right. A, a lot of what signifies the Saturn return is that. Mm. <laughs> this trying to find this peace in, in a chaos that totally. in a sense we have created. But what I want to, I want to add to that is that 
and, and I want to say this very carefully because I still do believe that some of that chaos is part of the process. Mm. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Absolutely. not so much like, oh, you made, you're awful and you've made all these awful decisions and this is, right. and this is why your Saturn return is horrible. No, there's, there's a point to that as well. Mm. And if anything, it, it's what brought you to ask these bigger, deeper questions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it reminds me of what you said, like at this point in my soul's journey, like, what am I supposed to learn right now? Right? Like, why is this chaos happening? Mm-hmm. Um, what is it here to teach me versus like, maybe not even why, like, um, what is this for? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I I think it's interesting because when we talk about astrology and the soul and all these words and language, this language that we use for us, it feels totally normal because this Mm. is also the world we came from, right? I mean, you know, we went to Pacifica and, you know, Pacifica's, I mean, they have a whole, I mean, geez, that like the head, the chair of their, um, it's not their myth department. It might be their mythology department, actually. Um, or maybe it's their depth. I think it's their depth PhD program. That's what he does. He, he, he's an astrologer. Um, mm-hmm. And he works with archetypal astrology. Mm-hmm. And so this is like normal language for us. But, you know, for people out there who this isn't normal language for them, it's like, just understand that we're not saying that astrology is something that dictates to you what your life is, what's happening to you, you know, because I do think that there's a lot of confusion. It's like when you read things about sun signs, it's like, you know, next week you're going to come into some financial <laughs> windfall. And mm. then the following week, you're going to meet your soulmate. You know, it's very, and people a lot of times will roll their eyes and I totally understand why. Um, Absolutely. But that doesn't necessarily, that's not what we're talking about, right? Like it's very energetic. It's very like, it nods to things. It potentially shines a light on something that might've been in the darkness. And then it's up to you to acknowledge or for you to actually turn towards that thing and then make your own conscious decision of how you're going to, you know, put one foot in front of the other, I guess. Um, and so it's like, I want people to understand, we're not saying this is not, it's not a marionette, like you're not a puppet. Um, it's, it's energetic. I'd love it for you to like, maybe speak to that a little bit more because I think there's a lot of confusion out there about like, that's where the eye rolling I think comes from a lot of times in my experience with astrology. Absolutely. And I think that for any astrologer who works with astrology in, in this way for, for self-betterment and self-knowledge, mm-hmm. we, they roll their eyes too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, um, what is popular and what is fun mm-hmm. are the horoscopes, right? right? Of course, that's, it's fun. I mean, that's how, that's how it was introduced to me as a kid and, 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 especially in the Latino culture where uh, astrology and esoteric practices is, is more well-received, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, although I am surprised at how much esoteric practices have grown in the last couple of years overall. Mm. But anyway, astrology is, when I see a natal chart, it's like a map of, possibilities Mm -hmm. yes each placement has energy but energy is stagnant until it's directed in a certain way in a certain direction and that's where our free will comes Mm -hmm. yeah i love that Mm -hmm. i have one of the placements that i have that that really struck me from the very beginning was i have what it's called my moon square Pluto. 
The moon represents our emotional processing, but it also represents our mother. Mm. Having the harsh connection to Pluto, the planet of transformation. My relationship with my mother was not easy. It was extremely codependent. We had, we, I, I grew up in, in a household with domestic violence, so I saw a lot of things as a kid. And then when my mom finally decided to leave that relationship, I became this partner. Mm-hmm. And as the oldest, a lot fell on me. So when you think of Moon and Pluto, and Pluto can be overwhelmingly overpowering Mm. over the moon, which is the emotional processing, my emotional processing, that can turn into very many different things. Mm. So when when I saw that in my chart, I thought, wow, this alignment shows me, yes, (laughs) that I came into this lifetime to have this kind of relationship. With my mother. I love that because it's like what it does for you. Again, it's not you're not you're not a puppet and it's not a puppet master. It's giving you insight. It's giving you insight into like, oh damn, okay. It makes sense now. Like if I use this as just maybe a framework, it just allows you some deeper insight, you know. And and I've said this in other podcasts, but many people don't know this that Young Carl Jung was very into astrology. His daughter was actually a master astrologer. And, you know, later in his career, he would actually have her pull the charts of every single client he saw. And he would not actually see them as a client until he had reviewed their chart. Because for him, it really gave him that, that framework. That, yeah. that insight. I actually was not that student at Pacifica that was into astrology. In fact, I had my first reading this year. And I think so much of, you know, what you guys are talking about, like, I found it really intimidating, like all of like looking at the charts, I had no idea how to read them. And I really sort of shied away from it. But I think what you're saying is so true, Millie. It's like someone sort of laying down a map that sort of affirms everything that I had to experience up to this point was for this reason. I think you feel so seen, so um, you know, validated in your nature and the way you've always felt in your skin in a way that, I don't know, like since having had my first reading, I have sent so many clients for astrological readings and it has made such a difference in our work because there's just such a different level of self-acceptance, self-compassion, mm-hmm. I think, that comes from this type of work. And that's not to say it gives excuses either, right? It's not to be like, oh, this is just how I am. It's like, no, understand that this is your jumping off point. Mm. um, And it can give you that framework, but it also doesn't give you an excuse to hide behind something. Right. And and one thing I've I've found incredible is how do you, after, for instance, getting a reading or even studying this, it's like, how do you go back Mm. and, and try to unsee what you've seen? It's okay right. to see what we what we see about ourselves. Yes. It's validating. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! There's I remember this overwhelming sense of validation. You know, we walk around so for so long in our lives thinking there's something wrong with us. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and, and a lot of times when I get when when I do readings, it's like, well, tell me what's wrong with me, or mm-hmm. tell me the bad stuff, and I get it totally I totally get it but the way that I see it it's like these are just placements Mm -hmm. and and it goes back to what Vanessa was saying these are placements and you have the free will to choose how you grow from them it's your deck of cards right Right. you get to decide how you're going to play that but it's just the deck of hearts that you were that you were dealt right 
And, and so much comes from that. There, there are people who have to live with difficult placements. Mm -hmm. They have to live with them. But what it does when they understand what that difficult placement is, is that they pause. Is that they, they pause before they act. Is that mm -hmm. they reflect before they speak. These, these things, these tools, these, these ways of communicating with others and with self, maybe that's the point. So what would be an example of like a difficult placement that you would see in someone's chart, really? So there is what we call um, a yod, right? It, it's, without getting too technical, it's like a part of us that is so ingrained mm. that life will manifest, will most likely manifest two different uh, situations always like always having to choose one between the other. So I'll tell you, I, I, I had a friend and he, he's a musician and he didn't really ever want to get married. That wasn't what he wanted, but he was in a loving partnership and his partner, it was important for her, for them to be married. And then they had children. So for him, it was like this freedom his belief is that if he got married and had children, his freedom would be taken away. Mm -hmm. And yet the love that that partnership and those, and his kids brought him was unlike anything that he'd ever felt. And he expressed it in that way. Mm -hmm. But his difficult placement was that he still couldn't shake off the sense that he was losing his freedom. Mm -hmm. And so having to be present with that, having to, it, it, it doesn't have to be anything extraordinary. It's just, how we what would how we process what we deem difficult so for him it was this constant feeling of i'm not free but i am free i have i have so much love love that i haven't experienced before but this inability to let go of this idea that he wasn't free and and not something that he carries with him that he's now much more aware of and is easier for him but it doesn't mean he doesn't carry it yeah, love that. Well, so Millie, I asked you if you would pull Vanessa and I's charts because I feel like, you know, a lot of why we wanted to do this podcast is sort of to demystify some of the things that are a little bit, you know, people don't know a lot about what it feels like to actually have things done or actually be in the therapy room. And we thought it might be fun for you to tell us a little bit about like what you see in our charts, just so that someone could have the experience of like, oh, this is what it might feel like to have a reading. Sure. Um, yeah, because I think it, it's a lot of times it is all of the things that we're talking about and sort of like, it's not like you're saying this is what's going to happen to you in 2021. It's a little like, this is where you are in your chart and this is what is, might be coming up for you because of it. And it's also like, you know, I want to say to people, like, take what works and leave what doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. Like my, one of my teachers that I, I've always revere Jack Renfield, he's always said that and it's always stuck with me. Take what works, leave what doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. if this stuff works for you and it feels like it gives you insight, amazing. Use it mm -hmm. as a tool, right? Mm -hmm. If if Catholicism and the different right. energies and archetypes that live within Catholicism gives you that kind of insight, then great work with that. Right. Or if, I don't know, I mean, anything we could go on and on, right. Whatever works you can, you can use to your advantage, um, to help give you that understanding and help, help guide you in a different way. So 
yeah, I want to offer this. I think today and I are offering this to our listeners as a way that like, this is just one tool in a toolbox. And if it resonates, then jump on it. <laughs> mm, absolutely. I, and that makes so much sense because when I look at different people's charts, it's obvious some are just more receptive to yeah. this type of information and, and others are not. And that's, that's, that's also intentional. <laughs> mm. That's also the point. That's also speaking in, you know, bigger terms. That's also the universe's point that, mm -hmm. you know, for us who do this work to be for everyone, we right. are not, you know, we are who we are in our practice for specific reasons. Mm -hmm. And those who resonate will inevitably come to contact mm -hmm. with us. That's so true. And, and that's the point. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. God, I'm thinking about this as like a total tangent, but I think it's interesting to share. The, what just came up for me is the couple times, you know, I mean, we're all on social media and we all do this work, but we're kind of putting it out there. And in a lot of ways, we're, we're, putting out some vulnerable concepts or ideas or talking about things. Um, and some people are going to be very triggered by some things we say. I, I always find it interesting how triggered people get by certain terms, projection being one of them. I, I find it fascinating how many people get triggered by the word projection um, because a lot of people jump on it as like victim blaming. Uh, and so it just reminded me of like somebody on Instagram that got really upset about the idea of projection and took it as like a victim blamey thing. And it's just another example of take right. what works, like allow it to resonate with you, allow it to bring forth. And actually in the same way, if a defense comes up, if you find yourself getting frustrated or you find yourself getting defensive about something or like what we're talking about right now, if for some reason this irks you or triggers you, this idea of leaving it, yes, but also maybe be curious about that. Maybe look mm -hmm. into why is it that this stuff bothers you? Why is it that this stuff turns you off or makes you roll your eyes, right? Because there's information in that if you allow yourself to explore it. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like, this may not be the time for me to explore this. The resistance that's coming up may be about like, this is not something that resonates for me right now. I think there was a time where astrology felt really something like I wasn't interested in going there or delving into. So <laughs> beautiful the way that you right. can feel just so deeply seen in this work. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I think that's a really good point to feel deeply seen. Mm. Yeah because people have resistance to that. I know I have mm. my own resistance to, feel, to, to being completely seen. And, and, but that has to do with me, yeah. you know? The That's a really good point, Millie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, even my brother, he hesitated for me to do a reading with him, mm. you know? And, and, and I can understand why, but I get it. It's people get to their, to their practice, to their soul searching, to their inward looking when they're ready, mm -hmm. when they're ready. Mm -hmm. I love that. Absolutely. Okay. So just pick one easy thing. Cause I don't want to make you like go into a full reading, but you okay. know, give us something that you feel like just by looking at our charts is like maybe something that stands out. So I have, who's do I have in front of me? I have Danae's in front of me. Um, Danae as a Capricorn, man, have we, have we been through some mm. major <laughs> transformation? It's been a big uh, year for Capricorns. Yeah. It's everything that we've seen in our macro, in our outer world from institutions and uh, the status quo crumbling and people questioning 
these things that we, these structures, these institutions that we thought to be permanent and the say all mm. are now finally being questioned and, and that's coming down. That's Capricorn energy. So when we look at the macro of that, and then for a Capricorn, for someone with a sun in Capricorn, how does that translate? How, how has your experience been with what you thought was a permanent way of being, a permanent way of thinking, a permanent way of taking care of yourself or seeing the world or what you had to do in life, how that has dramatically changed. Mm-hmm. And now you're giving yourself the freedom to look at different avenues even if you don't know exactly what that looks like, even, and especially if it makes you uncomfortable. Hmm. Capricorn energy, I mentioned it earlier, Saturn rules Capricorn energy, and it's this, this energy of the grandfather, of, of the mastery. But at this point, how has what we've mastered, is it, is it outdated now? Has it expired now? Has it served its purpose and now prepared us for, prepared you for something else mm-hmm. that you probably didn't even really think that that's where your life was going to head? Because as a Capricorn, we work very hard for this, with this vision in mind. Mm-hmm. And then to come to a space in our lives to where, oh man, maybe that's not it. Maybe it's going in a different direction. And what that does to you at, at a very profound level. For you, this, this falls in the sector of worth, self-worth, self-esteem, and more mundane money. So support, self-support. How has that manifested? How did you feel your support was before compared to what your support is now and how you define that? That's uh, for the name. That's that's the short of it. <laughs> All right, I like that little <laughs> contemplative nugget. Thank you, Millie. <laughs> yeah, that, I and mean, then, all that feels so alive. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then for so for Vanessa's chart, she has a sun in Taurus, but she has her ascendant in Aquarius. So astrologically speaking, we're moving into what people are calling the age of Aquarius. As an Aquarius ascendant, and then you have Uranus, the planet of thinking outside the box, of ingenious ideas, of shaking you out of your comfort zone, going towards your sun in Taurus, which, which is the way that you shine. It's the way that you're used to functioning. These two things happening in your chart It's like the complete reconfiguration of who you are. And next year will serve as a way of working more behind the scenes towards this new person that's emerging within you. From the ascendant point and from the sun point, from you tapping into more of this ingenious thinking outside the box, Aquarius energy, to the sun energy, to this Taurus energy that is so used to doing things a certain way, that will change. You will still be committed. You will still be patient. You will still be hardworking. But what, you're, what you'll work towards will be different. Will be different. And not just different in the outer, in, in, our, in this physical reality, but different from a different space within you. Mm-hmm. It's, and next year will be a lot about 
even trying to figure out what that is, how that sits with you, um, the sense of who am I, and, and then come, I want to say, 2022, 2023, being a lot more comfortable with this person that you've been cultivating behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. 2021. Here we come. Yeah. So what about 2021, Millie? Is there anything that is you like sort for of- everybody? Yeah. That everybody yeah. can sort of dip into? You know, I think that 2021 is going to come with its own lessons and it's going to come with its own, yeah, with its own lessons. I don't think that they're going to be as heavy as 2020. That's mm-hmm. for sure. But because we're heading into this new energy, this age of Aquarius, as I'm saying, um, energetically speaking, we're just headed in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. What, again, what we thought was fundamental, what we thought was, was permanent, we're leaving that behind and we're trying to build new structures while thinking differently, while doing differently. The amount of resistance there's going to be to that is going to be significant Mm. and we can see it. We can see it in the world that we live in. A group of people coming together, wanting to move our society in a different direction that is more encompassing of community, of of female energy and the resistance that there is to that on this other side, right? Mm -hmm. Those who are trying to keep things the same. 2020 will be a year of assimilation, of assimilating to this new energy, to this freedom. I think that for a lot of people, we have come to this new sense of freedom. And there's, there's something interesting about freedom because we all think we want it. We all think we want this freedom to be ourselves. But then when we have it, it's like, okay, how am I responsible with, with who I am? How am I responsible with that freedom? Who am I really in this freedom? Can I lead myself in this freedom? It almost leaves you with this wanting of, oh man, I really want that foundation because at least in that foundation, it felt safe and I didn't have to figure all this stuff out. Depending on how I think well you do with change, I think that's how well 2021 is going to go for you. Mm -hmm. I've mentioned this before. One of my approaches for 2021 or one of my intentions is remain flexible in the approach. It's, it's, it's a great year to figure out who you are in this new energy. Be, structure, yeah. Because 2020 left us raw in a lot of ways. And so we're having to rebuild, but we cannot rebuild with the old structures in mind. Yeah. It's, it's energetically speaking, it, it's just not, that's not what we're called to do, mm-hmm. if you will. So get on board, people. <laughs> the yeah. train has left the station, whether you're on it or not. <laughs> um, I was wondering, do you tend to look at most of your coaching clients' charts with them ahead of time? Like how much insight do you have? Um, or do, do people normally ask you to do that for them, I guess? Yeah, I mean, because I'm constantly looking at the current transits and like my mind has a blueprint of the transits that are growing on right now. So when I see someone's charts, those transits just go on top of their charts and I see where that's hap- where, where their, their natal charts are being affected. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I can, I look at it with them always. I always look at their charts with them. And, and we really, we go from there. The insight that I get is, is as much mine and my interpretation, but it also has to come from them. I can't just, there's this, I feel that there, I'm glad you asked that because I feel that there's this misconception that we somehow have to know everything that's going on in your life as an mm. astrologer. And that's not necessarily the case. Right. Um, it has to be, it, there's, there's a mutual, uh, there's a conversation that has to happen between mm. the person I'm doing the reading for and me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like I'm coming to you as like a fortune teller. Right. Which right. I do think people would confuse that, right? right. It's like if I'm going to go get a reading from somebody who's supposedly, you know, a fortune teller, I'm going to keep my, I know personally, like I'm going to be very tight lipped yeah. and I'm going to let them do their thing because I'm not going to want to give them anything to kind of go on, right? That's my right. skeptical side. But it's different with astrology. Again, you're not trying to read anybody's fortune. That's not what no. this is. I no. think it's good that you said that, V, because yeah. I think it is so different. And that is what a lot of people sort of like layman's terms, like think astrology yeah. is. And it's just a very different animal. I was asking the question, I think in terms of like, I would like to have my son's chart read or like information about his chart, because I feel like as a parent, it could just be so useful to sort of understand your child's nature so that you can allow them to be in the world as they are sort of called to be in a really respectful way, you know? Mm. And, yeah. and a lot of parents do do that yeah. because again, it, by looking at someone's chart, you, the way that I see it is so, is so literal and so physical. Like if I have a sheet of paper or a screen in front of me, I'm just looking at that. I'm not, these are, again, this is energy in motion. This Mm. is energy and potential. This is the potential of this. And yes, you can, you can say your son's moon. This is how he processes emotion. And then you can step back and say, how, how, how can I help you? Mm. How can I help you process this emotion Mm -hmm. in, if it's a water sign in a very profound way? If it's an air sign in a more detached way, right? So yeah, that's um, a lot of parents who do that. And and, and I think it's wonderful because they're trying to step back and help their children instead of just trying to make them whatever they want to make them. Yeah, put themselves on top of however their child is showing up. Yeah. Maybe reaching out to you for that, Millie. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I'm here. Uh, well, we have some questions we ask all of our guests that we'd love to <laughs> run by you. Um, so tell us first, who have been your greatest teachers, your mentors, the you know people that you've looked to for guidance along your journey, whether people you know or people you love reading? Definitely um, my, my mentor and, and teacher, his name is Jim Sher he introduced me to this world. He introduced me to view life and, and, and astrology from a place of, yes, self-responsibility, mm. but just this, <clears throat> this space of love. Mm. This, this space of love, the space of, uh, <clears throat> of self-acceptance and, and self-compassion mm. and that it's okay. Yes. And <clears throat> that hits me because 
prior to, to that, I didn't know life like that. Mm. I didn't. I thought, you know, I thought good, bad, yes, no, um, them, us, mm. you know, uh, the world is against me. Mm. And, and, and through, through his teachings, is, that's, not, that's not it at all. Mm-hmm. And we, we can see the manifestation in our world right now. Unfortunately, it does look that way. It does look like us versus them. But what I see, it's just individuals in pain wanting to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. But the only way that I can see that now is through his teachings. It's, it's by the way that he expanded my mind over years of studying with him. And, um, and also my, my mother, mm-hmm. definitely. It's, it's the most, <laughs> it's the hardest relationship and most challenging relationship I've had in my life. But again, there's this acceptance that I feel that it's that difficulty and that challenge that led me to where I am now and led me to accept her and understand her, but also accept me and understand me and my anger and that my anger was okay at some time. And because I gave my anger space, I am now able to be in a different space with her. Um, So she, she, and thank goodness she was, you know, a little witchy lady who liked esoteric practices because I mean, thank goodness she was my mom. Thank goodness she was my mom and that I felt comfortable delving into something like astrology and talking about it and having it just kind of be normal for me and not, and not feel judged for that within my own family. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. I love listening to you talk about your teacher. It really, brought me back to the experience of my first astrological reading. And I do feel like you just feel blanketed in love. <laughs> like everything that you've always felt, everything that you've always been, that you've questioned or been hard on yourself about is exactly who you were supposed to be. And it feels like, I don't know, like the warmest experience of love I've had. So I love that you describe it that way. Cause I think that was surprising to me. And I think what people might not know is um i think what it feels like at least <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i am uh, you know the love is real <laughs> mm. i'm i'm such a crybaby now like after studying with him and because i i just genuinely feel more mm. yeah i'm not trying to numb myself i'm not trying to be the girl with the tough exterior who can just you know be sassy and talk shit to everyone. And then, oh, I'm, you know, that's it. I can cut you off and, and that's me. That's how I defend myself. That's, I think back on that girl and I just want to hug her, mm. you know, but, but there was a purpose to her too. And, and, yeah. and here I am. <laughs> I look back on that girl myself. <laughs> I was once that girl too. Oh, those younger girls. <laughs> God bless them. Um, Okay, so speaking of speaking of crybaby, so the second question is what breaks your heart? 
Um, right now, right now, what breaks my heart right now is, is seeing how, our, how much our world is separated mm-hmm. needlessly. Mm-hmm. Because like I said a few moments ago, what I see is individuals, human beings in pain Mm-hmm. And wanting and not even understanding that they're in pain. And if they do understand that they're in pain, they don't want to accept that because it somehow makes them less or bad or weak or mm-hmm. all of that other stuff, right? And I just, that breaks my heart mm-hmm. because it's not us versus them and it's not one side or the other. It's, it's all of us. It's a collective, yeah. it's a collective pain. Absolutely. And this is when you know that, you know, the stuff that, that we do, the meditation, the being honest, the being vulnerable, the crying, all of that, in order to heal, does make a difference. You do impact the people around you, whether you realize it or not. And sometimes it takes years to see how much the work that you do on yourself has in fact impacted the people around you. Mm-hmm. But it does, and you have to believe that. You have to believe that even in the middle of the heartbreak. Mm-hmm. You have to believe that. I love that, Millie. Mm-hmm. So what is a flow state for you? That thing that you could just lose yourself in for hours, you do it all day, every day, given the opportunity. What is that for you? I mean, astrology, mm-hmm. really. Just really? It's that, you know, you you can study the fundamentals, you can study the basics, but that's just foundational. That's, that's, that's the springboard. You never stop learning with astrology. Even my chart is something that I I find something different every couple of months that I didn't see before. And so studying different charts, reading different books, studying the transits, looking ahead at the transits and just looking like, Oh my God, that they're going to do that. How is that going to manifest? It's so exciting. (laughs) It's like nerding out, nerding out all the time. Uh, And it's just, it's fascinating. It's just so fascinating. I don't know if you heard this and I might have my history wrong, but I actually read somewhere sometime, I don't know when it was, that sun signs became a thing when I heard that it was actually like, it might've been the New York times. It was a really big, big uh, publication at the time. It was like in the twenties or something basically had this area where they were starting the funnies. They had these, you know, and they, they wanted it to be entertainment only. And somebody suggested, Hey, we should do this thing where we take these sun signs and we could give these little blurbs about, you know, a forecast. Um, and actually until then, until that point, sun signs weren't even a big thing. Like people didn't know like, Oh, I'm a Taurus or I'm a this or I'm a that. Um, it was all part of the larger conversation that we're having, right? Like the sun only being one very small part of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually through through that specific, like, oh, let's do this as part of the entertainment section, that it became part of our like vernacular. And I could have the history wrong, but I read something one time about that, and I thought that was so interesting. That is really interesting. I ha- I'm not uh, familiar with this specific story, but the history of astrology, it, it didn't start with the sun signs. It, no. it started yeah. with the observation of bigger uh, events happening. Mm-hmm. Um, of bigger events happening and then people tracking 
somehow tracking the, the movement of the planets and the stars to, oh, when this happens, which is mm -hmm. usually eclipses, a king dies. When this happens, the crops grow bigger. You know? yeah. And then it wasn't after years of collecting data that then the, what we call the ephemeris was, was developed. And then that's when, pe that's when people started realizing, oh, there are patterns. Mm -hmm. And as much as that can happen on, on a larger spectrum, we can, we can uh, apply those patterns to individuals. And that's how the sometime became much after a yeah. ton of data collecting. And for people who don't know, until very recently in human history, this was actually considered a very like specific science that it was like revered and respected and looked to with like scientific data and all yeah. kinds of research and all these things. So it's, it's only, I would say in the very recent years that we've looked at it as more of this like woo woo, right. Esoteric practice. Which is so funny when you yeah. see someone reading a chart, you're like, you obviously have to be very intelligent <laughs> to do this It's work. so complicated. It's yeah. very complicated work. <laughs> like nobody's just like busting out a chart to be like, yeah. here. This is like serious. <laughs> I, I didn't do my first reading until after five years of studying. Hmm. And yeah, I could do like simple stuff, but I- sure. I found I, from a personal stance, I, I found it irresponsible to mm. try and do like an actual reading for someone prior to that yeah. because it, it, it hit me so much. It's so significant. It's so significant that, I mean, and, and granted there are way more tools now and maybe I'm just a slower learner. <laughs> Pick this, the, these, this thing up way faster than I do. But, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of study to it. There, like I said, you never stop learning with it. Mm. Never. I get the gravity from you. I think it's, it's, I mean, I know you're joking. It's less the slow learner. It's more about like, you have a reverence for it that you respect the practice and the art and the science to it. And, and you don't, you know, you don't treat it kind of willy-nilly. It's like, it's not looked at that way. And I, and I, I appreciate that about you because you bring a lot of, the reverence comes through when you mm -hmm. talk about it. Thank you. I appreciate that because <laughs> one, my teacher had a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. he, Jim can be bigger, if you will. Like he can be more known. He can be bigger in social media. He really can. But to him, that's not the point, right. you know? And he's, He's, a, he's an older man in his 70s. He's been practicing this stuff longer than I've been alive. Mm. This is where that respect comes from. This is, this is where, and also growing up with my mother and esoteric practices, who she learned from her uncle in Guatemala, who was a medicine man, who was tied to Mayan culture. Like, this is yeah. real. This it's is deeply ingrained work. Right. Who you yeah. are. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's... Yeah. And, and that's, sometimes I have a hard time, not so much anymore. In, in the beginning, when I started doing like social media and the blog and all of that stuff, I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't talk about like such heavier stuff, you know, heavier things like this, heavier topics, because it's not popular. But then when I tried the, the lighter stuff, just the horoscopy stuff, it wasn't me and it didn't mm. feel right. And that's when I really realized, you know what? there are billions of people in the world. They, 
everyone else can do that and that's awesome and that's fun and I get a kick out of some of these astrology uh, <laughs> uh, some of these astrology profiles I think they're awesome but it's not me yeah it's it's Love not that. me yeah okay final question it's a heavy one <laughs> okay what's your favorite food <laughs> Let's see. What is my favorite food? I love I love sandwiches. Aw, sandwiches, man. I love that. A sandwich girl. I appreciate I, that answer. I, nice. I love sandwiches. I love bread. I. I, I, I <laughs> the truth. Yes. I love. I mean, I'm I'm vegan. I've been vegan for five years, and so. Really. Like, I knew I liked you. <laughs> It's almost unavoidable, you know, carbs are almost unavoidable. So it's like, I love all the carbs. Mm. <laughs> Beautiful. Mm. Well, I don't know, Millie. I love talking to people who are clearly doing work that is their soul's calling. I think yeah. it is so inspiring to be around that energy. It makes me want to be better, be in mm. purpose. Um, so thank you for for your work. Thank you for the way that you show up in the world and for sharing yourself with our audience of listeners. I think um, it's just really inspiring to be in your presence. Whoa. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. That's so kind. Um, no, are you kidding me? Thank you for having me. And yes, the soul's, the sole purpose, it's, um, it's something that has really sat with me this year and then being part of the TAT lab and meeting amazing women like yourselves and, and, and the rest of the, you know, our, the rest of the people in that community. It's like, this is not an accident. This is not yeah. a coincidence. Yeah. This is, this is the universe doing what it does. Collision. Mm -hmm. And I'm just soaking it all in with an open heart and, and, and gratitude, really. Mm. So tell our listeners where they can find you. So, you know, Instagram, um, website, like, can they book a reading with you? How do they do that? All those things. Totally. The easiest way to book a reading is through my website, uh, astroconsciousness.com. It's, it's right there in the first page. You'll just click on it, book a reading. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at astro underscore consciousness, Facebook at astro consciousness. And my email is info at astro consciousness.com. So I'm, I'm very accessible. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, thanks so much for being here, Millie. Yeah. Thank, nice. you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you this week in the lab. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're wanting to dig a little bit deeper into the conversations that we're having, we are both a part of a community called the Tat Lab. Some of the topics we lead groups in exploring are how to navigate the experience of singlehood after an expired relationship, reparenting yourself, and breaking down codependency from a 101 class to boundaries to perfectionism and self-worth. And if you're curious, you can go to tat-lab.com. Not only check us out there, but also all the other awesome therapists and coaches that lead groups on a ton of different topics. So we hope to see you guys there. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin. <laughs>